I'm pleased to be able to speak to you today all the way from New Zealand. We're 8,800 kilometres away in a straight line, so I'm going to have to yell pretty loud so you can hear me, but that's okay. Now, aren't we in a fascinating time of history? We were in Japan last year when the typhoon came through and we saw the people's sadness and some of the huge issues that that, and you may know people who went through that. And now we're dealing with another major event worldwide, this whole issue of this COVID-19. Now, there's been lockdowns. Uh, our country has been locked down for probably five weeks now. There's been business problems. Many have closed. There's been 244,000 premature deaths. And there's been a lot of travel restrictions. We can't come to Japan because no one from here is flying to Japan. And that is quite sad. We'd rather be up there with you people. But here we are. You know, at least we can talk. And we had a lovely talk this week with uh, Ron and Katie over the, the media. And it's good being able to do that. Some people are isolated. Some of them are lonely because of the impact. Now, all this, I believe, has created incredible stress worldwide. And, you know, you could put your hand up now if you've been stressed. Yeah, I see that hand. No, I don't. But uh, I know some of you will be impacted by what is going on, the current events. And so I thought my first service uh, from New Zealand to Japan uh, would be to have a look and see how, as Christians, we can deal with this whole area of anxiety and stress. It's a very relevant topic. But the most important thing is how we can find peace in our lives in this time. And so it brings the question, what is peace? Is it living in a perfect situation where there are no issues? Now, I want to share a story just to start. You see, there was a king who had a, a new palace. And he wanted to have a very peaceful land. So what he said, I want all the artists in the country to paint a, a wonderful picture of peace. And he offered a big financial reward for the person who could paint the best picture that would hang in the foyer of his palace that showed peace. That was the criteria. He had to show peace. Now, many entered the competition, but then the king chose two pictures that he hung up before he made his final choice. Now, let me explain those pictures. You see, picture one was amazing. It was a bit like the mountain scene that I can see on my screen. There was a lake, there were hills in the background. Uh, in the picture that the person painted, there was pink blossom hanging on the trees, a beautiful time. There were flowers beside the lake. I want you to imagine a calm lake with a beautiful big white swan going across it, gliding across there. And of course, the air above the lake was clear, but it had some clouds, but they were tinged like these ones with this, the evening colours. And it was a very, very peaceful picture. And a lot of people saw it, had peaceful thoughts. But you see, the second picture hanging there was totally different. The lake was foaming. It was obviously full of waves. There were winds crashing and, and crashing across the waves. There was a fierce storm lightning flashed across the, the hills. The, the dark hills were wet with the rain and there was no blossom left on the tree. It had all been blown off. You see, guess what happened? The king actually chose picture number two. 
And people were surprised because they said it doesn't show us peace. But the king said this. He said, look closely at the fork of the tree. You see, there's a nest there and in the branch. And there's a bird sitting in that nest. But there's also a baby bird sitting in the nest being sheltered by the wings of the mother bird. And he said, that is really an honest picture of what peace is all about. You see, that picture of that storm is a wonderful example of truth. The whole world and Japan, New Zealand, all over the place is facing a current storm. But, you know, we can discover the peace that God provides. And it's all the people who have faith in him and trust in him can discover this. I believe the storms of life, they rage all around us. But, you see, I read in Scripture that we can all experience peace and inner security. And that's something I think the world wants, is peace and inner security. But as Christians, we can discover. You see, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is a state of mind. It's a feeling of being safe and protected. It is trusting God with your whole heart. Now, those who have a deep sense of God and God's love for them, and a real personal relationship, and I'll say that again, a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ, they can experience a deep abiding peace, even when turmoil and conflict surround you. And that's a wonderful thing. Now, I guess if some of you have gone and got your coffee, put it down and listen, because this is really important. You see, we can talk about peace, which sounds very good, but you could be asking, How do we find this peace in the midst of anxiety? How do we get this place that we can discover peace? And I believe the answer is found in Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9. Now, Lynn is going to come and read that. I'm sorry it's not coming up on your screen. I'm going to say a few scriptures. So you might want to write the reference down so that you can go back. But Philippians 4, 4 to 9. Good morning, MCC. Lovely to be with you at church, even though we're sitting in New Zealand. This is Philippians 4, 4 4-9, and it's from the Phillips translation. Delight yourselves in God. Yes, find your joy in him at all times. Have a reputation for gentleness and never forget the nearness of your Lord. Don't worry over anything, whatever. Tell God every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer. And the peace of God, which transcends human understanding, will keep constant guard over your hearts and minds as they rest in Christ Jesus. Here is a last piece of advice. If you believe in goodness, and if you value the approval of God, Fix your minds on the things which are holy and right and pure and beautiful and good. Model your conduct on what you have learned from me, that's Paul talking, on what I have told you and shown you, and you will find the God of peace who will be with you. You see, in Philippians, the Apostle Paul He talks about becoming a joyful person who experiences peace. And so when we read that scripture, we discover that he has some answers that I believe is important we all listen to. 
You see, there are all sorts of things in our life that can keep us from experiencing peace and joy. That is ours in Jesus Christ. And one of them is anxiety and stress. Now, I noticed this morning, as you set up, things weren't working too well. There would have been anxiety and there would have been stress there. So even in the church, we can find it. But there are answers. And it's hard to feel peaceful and joyful when you're actually worried. Now, I believe in today's climate where things are going so wrong in the world that we need to discover the truth, how we can discover peace. And in Philippians 4, we discover that even in the toughest circumstances, circumstances that can steal your joy, we can actually be free from anxiety and still find peace. See, let's find out about the author. Paul, he was not having a happy time when he wrote these passages. He was actually under house arrest. Now, that means he was locked away in his house, couldn't go out, couldn't enjoy the things around him. But to make it even worse, he was actually chained to a great big ugly Roman soldier, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You imagine living like that, if someone was chained to you. Now, Lynn growled at me, she said he probably wasn't ugly, but he might have been quite handsome, but it was still very unpleasant for Paul to have someone chained to him every day, all the time. And of course, Paul was facing a very uncertain future just like some of us today. In our country, there are a lot of people who have been made unemployed. They've lost their jobs because of this virus. And so there's a lot of stress, a lot of uncertainty. And Paul certainly had times to say, well, look, I'm anxious, I'm stressed, and even to say he was discouraged. But he discovered, and I believe we've got to discover, the secret for finding peace, even in those horrible circumstances. And so our passage that Lynn has just read, it teaches us three very important keys. Keys that if we listen to them and apply them, we'll begin to discover something fresh happening in our life. Now, key one, it says pray with thanksgiving in your stressful situation. Pray with thanksgiving even in your stressful situation. Philippians 4 verse 6 says don't worry over anything whatsoever. Tell God every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer. Well, how do we do that? Well, first of all, I believe it's proper to acknowledge to God our anxiety. Uh, he knows, but he's quite happy when we talk about it. Talk to Jesus. Be honest. Say, look, Lord, I'm worried about this, and I know I shouldn't be, but it's causing me a lot of stress. And I believe God loves it when we just have these conversation prayers and talk about the things that affect us. We need to do something about it. We need to turn our worry into prayers of thanksgiving. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, Note very carefully, it's not in all circumstances, but in all circumstances. It's not for all circumstances. So we don't have to pray for everything that's going wrong, but when we're in the middle of things going wrong, we can pray. We can thank God for who he is. 
we can thank God for the opportunity to grow in our faith during our anxiety and stress. We can thank God that he knows what we're going through and is with you and will never leave you. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 tells us, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, or in brackets, and anxious or stressed. And do not panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail or abandon you. What an amazing promise that is, that whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whether it's in your life, in your family, in your work situation, God knows about that. He cares for you. So we actually don't have to panic. And we thank God for his Holy Spirit, who is able to provide you with everything you need to stand strong. Let me say that again, because to me that's a huge key, that we can thank God. His Holy Spirit dwells in us, and he talks to us. He gives us comfort. He'll sometimes growl at us if we know when we've done something wrong. But, you know, he is there. God gave us this amazing gift that everything we need to stand strong can come through the help of the Holy Spirit. And have the confidence, listen to this one, have the confidence to hear God talking to you. Maybe you've never heard God talking, but sometimes we need to listen. And he might say this, I'm just saying what he might say. Good morning. This is God speaking. I will keep you in perfect peace today if your mind remains focused on me because you can trust me. I can then help you with your problems today. Now, the reality is God never sleeps and his Holy Spirit leads and he guides and he gives us wisdom. So I believe the first key is to pray with thanksgiving, recognizing that God is with us, recognizing that he never leaves us, that he cares for us, and he knows our situation. And we can be thankful regardless of how tough it is out there. You see, the next key we learn is trust God. Well, how do we trust God in our situation? Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God which transcends human understanding will keep constant guard over your hearts and minds as they rest in Christ. In other words, you take your situation trust God with it, and he is there. He's a constant guard. And one of the keys to living in peaceful or in stressful situations is to remember that it's important to have your peace. You must cast your burdens on God. Talk to Jesus. Tell him you've got problems. Cast them on there. Now, your emperor will have, he'll have a bodyguard, and he protects and he employs bodyguards but the scripture here is promising. Now listen to this. The scripture here is promising us that if we put our trust in Jesus, he promises a heart and mind guard, something that will protect your mind, the center of your spirit, the center of you, who you are. We can see that protection. So the Holy Spirit protects and guides. You see, when I became a pastor after many, many years of teaching, and I became a pastor 20 years ago, I had so many things on my list that it used to stress me out. And I would lie awake and think, well, what do I do tomorrow? I've got so much to do. And then one night I woke up to the reality. Why was I worrying? You see, God stays awake 24 hours a day. I needed my sleep. And so I turned the issues over to God and trusted that he would work them out. And I went off to sleep with peace. And I'm having to do that at the moment. Do I want to be here in New Zealand? Yes, I do love it. 
but do I want to be with you people? Yes, I do, because I sense that's where God is leading me. But I just have to be at peace, and I know that he will work it out in his time. And that's an amazing feeling. You see, I realize that God and I are a team. You and God are also a team. The issues that are there, and I realize that God wanted to help me, and he wants to help you, he'll give you that peace. And that's amazing. So fix your mind. This is the third key. Fix your mind on that which is good. Philippians 4, 8 to 9, here is the last piece of advice. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on the things which are holy and right and pure and beautiful and good. Now, we can't reduce stress in our lives unless we change how we think. And that's what that verse is saying. Just fix your minds. Realize that outside of you, you have an amazing availability of tapping into God's peace and strength. You've got to think about the good things that God wants us to think about. Now, stress doesn't come from the outside, but it comes from the inside. Now, have you noticed that when you're stressed or anxious, the tendency is to start thinking about all the things that could go wrong? Have you noticed that? It might be only one thing that's causing you stress, but you think about many other things, or perhaps things that have already gone wrong. Now, remember when Paul wrote this letter, he was in jail. He could have been incredibly stressed, incredibly anxious about his future. But in this verse, he has given us some very sound advice of things to fill our minds with. He reminds us that we can choose what we think about. He encourages us to think about the right things. So what do you think affects the way you feel? The way you feel affects the way you act. So every time something stressful happens, how do you respond? How do you feel? You know, because you know that that will affect you. So it's very important to guard our minds to keeping on the right things. Second Corinthians 10 verses 5b tells us, take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. This is something that we have to discipline ourselves. We don't do it automatically. We often think of the negative, but it's saying here, think of the good things. Think of the things that take you towards God and not away. We need to make a deliberate choice when we begin to worry. You see, on our part, we've actually got to do something. It's not just going to happen, but it's got to be chosen. You've got to think about it. And when we begin to worry and have anxious thoughts, all right, ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind a scripture that will help you. Memorizing scripture, and some people do, they might have it on their fridge door in a magnet. They might have it written down somewhere. But here goes some scriptures that could help you. Isaiah 41.10, and this is from the Message Bible. Don't panic. Don't worry or be anxious. I'm with you. There's no need to fear, for I am your God. Well, you know, you serve a Savior who is your God. He cares. We've learned that from Scripture. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady and keep a firm grip on you. That's an incredible promise. That's something that we only learn by learning to trust. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Then it goes on, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I'm going to read that verse again because I believe that's so powerful. Joshua 1.9, 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for do not be discouraged. Wow, that's the dead opposite to being anxious. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, I would suggest that, you know, those two references, Isaiah 41.10, Joshua 1.9, maybe write them down. And when you feel yourself panicking, getting anxious, your thoughts could go the wrong way, but turn them to a positive. Now, Paul finishes in Philippians 4.9 by telling us, model your conduct on what you have learned. Model your conduct on what you have learned. So what have we learned today? We say is pray with thanksgiving. Trust God. Fix your minds on that which is good. Well, powerful stuff. But Paul's conclusion, if you do this, you will find the peace of God will be with you. You imagine every time you got anxious, you thought back, well, hang on, I can thank God for what I've got, my life, my breath, the good things around me. And then begin to trust God like you've never trusted him before. He doesn't care whether it's a little thing or a big thing. He loves you and he loves to care for you. But then fix your minds on which is good. In other words, turn your thinking to something positive and you will find the God of peace will be with you. And that's my prayer for you today. As, as my country, your country are going through what I would say terrible times, it affects us all differently. And I believe that God is just saying, hey, look, be like Paul. He was in a jail. He was chained to a person 24 hours a day. And yet he discovered the truth that we can have peace. It doesn't matter how serious or sad our circumstances are. And that's what my prayer for you people is today. Now, we're going to go on to our communion service. Let me start by saying this. In New Zealand, last Monday, we had a holiday. It was a holiday and in Australia on the Monday, the 25th of April. In fact, that was actually the Saturday, but we had a holiday on the Monday. Why do we have a holiday in New Zealand and Australia? Well, it was to remember a very significant event. You see, it was a national day of remembrance for the troops who had given up their lives over the last 120 years in battles that have raged all over the globe. And we could name them, probably Africa and to Asia, the Vietnam and to your neighbouring country and to um, Korea and throughout two major wars in Europe. There's been a lot of our people have given their lives to care for our nation. And so we have an annual event where we commemorate, where we remember. And every now and again in the service, the statement, we will remember them. And it's quoted over and over again. But lest we forget the people who have cared for our country. And many of you will know that in your own world. You see, they have services. Six o'clock in the morning, they all meet and they have services. Every town in the country to remember the sacrifice and the suffering, but also at the end to remember that it was for a good cause. It was to help the people. It was to bring something good. Now, the funny thing is that, what's well, not funny, but the reality is that the Christian church for the last 2,000 years has also done something that Jesus Christ said. He said, do it in remembrance of me. We call it a communion service. Some churches call it Eucharist. There's different names for it, but we stop and we reflect. And I believe that in this time of history, 
even more important for you to stop and reflect as to what Jesus Christ was asking us to do. Now, we remember his crucifixion and his resurrection. And, you know, that's something that we should never forget. We don't want to forget. And as I said, Jesus said in 1 Corinthians 11:26, do this in memory of me. And here's a question I want you to think about. When you reflect and when you come to communion, here are some of the things that I reflect about on my list. You see, communion is a memorial service, something that commemorates two incredible events, two serious events. The cross where Jesus died with all its savageness and cruelty and the victory as Jesus conquered death and took the sins of mankind onto his shoulders. So it's a memorial. The first part of our communion service is a memorial. Also, communion is a time for thankfulness for the consequence of the huge spiritual battle won on that resurrection Sunday against Satan. Satan previously had controlled the world. He, it was unabating. He unstoppable. He had the domination and wholesale destruction of people. But you see, on that Sunday when Jesus rose again, conquered death, he also conquered the power of Satan. And the message of Jesus' death and resurrection spread through the church across the world. What an amazing thing to be thankful for. You see, you and I are actually doing this today because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. And man, we can be thankful that he did. The next thing I, I learned from communion, I guess it's a time to reflect on your own personal liberation as a Christian. Go back to the time when you weren't a Christian. Go back to the issues that caused you. When you became a Christian, suddenly something changed. It was a, an internal life that was promised and the anguish and misery of Satan controlling the sad world we call, you know, that, that was something that changed. And so we were liberated. We, and I hope you can say, yes, I was liberated from Satan's world because communion is a time to reflect and honour and thank the liberator. He personally made it possible for you and me to choose a much better life, eternal life, to accept help in this life. And we've just talked about that when it comes to peace and anxiety, but also to have an incredible future ahead of us. A joy-filled, amazing place called heaven. You see, I don't fear death. I don't want to die. But at the end of the day, I know where I'm going. And I hope you do, because it gives something that we can thank God for. And I believe that communion, and this is the last thing I'll say, is a time to stop and take a sensible assessment of our lives. You see, if you're like me, you don't always live an obedient life. I don't always honour God with some of the things I do. And I sometimes struggle. I guess most Christians do, because we are still caught up in the world. But communion is that reflective pause time in our busyness and it reminds us we need to sort out the things between us and God we need to repent we need to come back and say hey thank you God for what you did on the cross it's amazing I've now got a future because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago and I hope that you reflect and you think where you are is because of what Jesus did for you on the cross and of course, we take two elements. We take bread, which really Jesus is called the bread of life. But it also in communion reflects on the savagery and the brutality, what he suffered, how he was 
nailed to a, the cruelest thing they could ever nail them to, a Roman cross, even at the end. He had a spear stuck in the side. Now, I was reading this morning again how they used to break the legs of the people on the cross so that they couldn't support themselves. It was a terrible place to go. And yet Jesus took it on our behalf. Why did he take it? Because he paid a price for our sin. And that is a key thing. He doesn't worry about what you have done in the past. When we come to him and ask for forgiveness, he sets us free. He frees our mind. He gives us peace. He transforms us. And as the Bible says, God never remembers those sins. And we have a relationship. We're accepted into God's family. We become a child of God. What a powerful thing to be in this late day and age. And we take the cup. It can be wine. It can be fruit juice. It can be whatever. It doesn't matter. But it signifies that Jesus shed his blood so that as a remission of our sins. Now, the Old Testament Jew, when they went to God, they had to go and shed the blood of the best animal in their stock to show that they were really serious, that they took it seriously. They, they wanted their sins acknowledged, but at the same time, they had to pay a price. They had to pay the price of a top animal. And this is why the Lamb of God, this is why he was called the Lamb of God. He was sacrificed on the cross. His blood was shed so that from that point onwards, we can come to God and we don't have to go through a system that was there. He's paid the sacrificial price. And that's why at communion, we can give thanks and we can celebrate. We can put things right back in our life that maybe we, we know we've done wrong. My list is very long, but I know that I've been forgiven. And that's a powerful thing when I talk to God. He loves me, he loves you, and he cares for you like perhaps nothing ever, ever has before. So we take the cup and we reflect on that. And basically we, we read in scripture that he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And effectively the cup is just to commemorate and remember. Remember, this is a remembrance service. What Jesus did on the cross for us. But it's, when we take the blood, we're thanking him for shedding his blood as a sacrifice so that we no longer have to do that. You know, I love people in the church. I love the church. I'm actually, you are the most powerful people on the face of this earth. You might think, well, the emperor's more powerful than me or the government is. No, you individually are the most powerful people because you walk with God on your side. You walk with the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got an incredible amount to be thankful for. You may be going through terrible stuff in your life, but we've just read that we can discover peace and thankfulness when we could be most anxious. We're an incredibly blessed people. That's why I love going to church. That's why I love talking to you. That's why I love mixing because it encourages me in my journey. So I'm just going to finish now by saying, hey, you know, thank you for the opportunity just to share with you. And thank you for being part of this MCC group. You don't realize how important you are because you have taken the time to connect into this group. And I hope in your journey, you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You might be on a journey of discovery. Don't ever stop asking questions. Don't ever say, hey, I don't know all the answers. Go and talk to people like Ron. He'll help you. Katie, he'll bless you. Thank you for the times I've had to talk to you this morning. Bless you.